You're listening to the Tag Team Podcast. And now, the special presentation. And now here are your Tag Team Podcast hosts, Jeff Jones and John Burke. Welcome to a special edition of the Tag Team Podcast. I am Jeff Jones. I'm John Burke. How are we? Doing a lot better than the people in July 14th, 1984 were that tuned in on that Saturday. This is a historic day, and in the podcast, we will be going through and telling you a little bit about it. And on our Facebook, we will post more information in detail, so feel free to get your eyeballs full of words. And also, if you want to comment on Facebook page about it. Were you affected? Did you see it? How did you feel? How did you feel when you watched it? Let us know. Facebook.com forward slash the tag team podcast. We do have some followers out there now building our own little the tag team podcast TNT army. Armies are good. America has one. We need one. Yes, and there will be no Terry Daniels in this army. Good. I think we got it without him. Yes, he's too busy <laughs> serving in the Cobra Corps. Oh, yeah. I wonder if he's still eating his Flintstone vitamins. Somewhere in a D arena, there sits one man holding a flag, crying, wondering where it all went wrong. That man is Terry Daniels. Maybe if Sergeant Slaughter would have gave him back his spirit when he tattooed a Statue of Liberty, maybe he'd turn out different. Yeah, maybe so. Oh, well. So, I have a plug that might help with some of this if our... Our listeners are into reading, which I read it a while back. I won't remember all, but I do know it does have a nice little section in there about Black Saturday. The name of the book is called Sex, Lies, and Headlocks, The Real Story of Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment by Mike Mooneyham. I enjoyed it. It had all kinds of nice little things about Vince that most people don't know. Like he graduated from East Carolina University. Some people don't know that. I believe he grew up in North Carolina in a trailer. He did. And his dad basically neglected him up until a certain point. Is that what the book covers or some of it? Yeah, it starts off with his lineage and then it works into some of the stuff that helped him grow to the empire that he is today and some of the scandals and dirt that happened along the way. Wellness policy, like things like that. That's pretty informative. It might not have everything 100% as far as some people had issues with him saying that the macho man, Rick Steamboat WrestleMania 3 match went an hour and it didn't go that long. I don't know. It's little things like that that some people make a big deal out of. I don't really care about things like that. I know it was a good match and it doesn't matter if you get the time limit wrong to me, but whatever. Oh, so they were nitpicking, as they say? Yeah, trying to find something wrong with it. The book overall is three and a half stars on Amazon. So that's good enough for me. It's not a two or one. It's a pretty decent length, so I say read it. Find it in the cheap. Definitely pick it up. Well, awesome. Is it available on Amazon? Do you know? Yes, it is available on Amazon.com. It is currently selling for $14.98 for the paperback and $13.99 if you want to put it on a Kindle. That's new. If you want to buy a used copy, you can get it for $0.25. Cents. And if you shop around on Amazon, you might even be able to find some new copies for as low as $6.48. It's been out for about 13 years now. It shouldn't be too expensive. You said $0.25. Cents. Was it, did I hear you right? Yeah, 32 used copies copies currently the lowest being 25 cents not sure of that condition but yeah that is the cheapest you can find it i may have to invest my quarter there you go free shipping maybe i don't know maybe that's how they gouge you 25 cents and then 14 dollars shipping yeah i hate ebay for that yeah same way and if you're one of them people go away <laughs> We do not want you as a listener. No, definitely not. Horrible people. But tell your friends if they're not listening, because we could use the listeners. Just not you. Tell other people, then go away. Exactly. 
So how about the history? Yeah, there's a little bit of history behind this. Best we could put it pretty much in today's standards is being new to a show and watching a show from its start. Newer show like Velocity or Heat, something when it first comes out or they got all the A talent and they're hyping it and hyping it on the other shows to make you watch it and enjoy it. And then maybe the next week you catch it, they start putting new talent, enhancement talent versus established star so that's sort of what this would feel like i guess in today's standard i know the first raw that aired out there it had a bunch of enhancement talent on it and usually the main match was actually two named guys versus each other so even as late as 90 i think raw came out in 92 93 they still had enhancement talent on primetime television this would kind of be similar to that except you don't know any of these wrestlers because they're all new to you unless you were reading like the magazines or you traveled a lot and saw these guys maybe in a different territory a rude awakening not to pull off anybody's finishing move but rude awakening for viewers that were expecting their normal wrestlers and their normal announcers when they tuned in. Definitely a Hall of Fame-like maneuver going on here when they tried to turn it on and expect to see Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and still they're seeing Hulk Hogan, maybe just a clip of them, not even the full match. You wouldn't see that on their other program. And most of these matches were in arenas and obviously not live, something else they were not accustomed to in NWA and WTBS programming. I can imagine the outrage that would ensue. Oh yes. Especially us South people. We we love our wrestling. More athletic competition promoting style than this is George the Animal Steel and he doesn't speak any English and he likes to go around tearing out turnbuckles with a green tongue. Yeah. How exciting. Not gonna fly. So we'll kick it off. As we said, imagine being a huge fan of the NWA at the time and the only way to watch is to tune in every Saturday at 3.05 p.m on the WTBS and you turn on one week only to see a very unfamiliar face Vince McMahon instead of Freddie Miller which is who you were used to seeing do the announcements for your favorite wrestling and instead of seeing like John said Dusty Rhodes Ric Flair you didn't and the day was July 14th 1984 and it'll never be the same Black Saturday even though this is a special, we still got some good old-fashioned regular episode goodies going on here. Ready to do some territory talk? Let's do some territory talk. Let's talk May 1984 timeline with territories. Territory. Wrestling territories. And for you youngsters out there, <laughs> wrestling territories is something that may be foreign to you, but at one time in the United States alone, there were 25 or 30 wrestling territories that were headquartered around the country. Territory Talk, Georgia. The first half of the 20th century saw action in the Peach State presented by such promoters as Henry Weber, Bill Hartman, Frank Spear, and Nat Jones. The second half, however, ushered in such promotional notables as Ray Gunkel, Jim Barnett, and Paul Jones, who met Georgia Championship Wrestling Incorporated, a member of the National Wrestling Alliance, a household term throughout the state via television. After Gunkel's death in 1972, his widow Anne started a rival group called the All-South Wrestling Alliance, prompting a bitter two-year wrestling war, with both groups airing on Ted Turner's television station, later known as TBS. 
Georgia Championship Wrestling's first weekly television series had premiered on then WTCG in 1972 when station owner Ted Turner purchased the rights to air the program from station WQXI. From that date, GCW's program aired for two hours, from 6 to 8 p.m. and later from 6.05 to 8.05 following the introduction of TBS Turner Time in 1981, every Saturday night. In 1976, GCW became the first National Wrestling Alliance, NWA, territory to earn a national cable television contract as the soon-to-be-renamed superstation WTBS began to be carried by various cable and satellite providers nationwide. In 1982, Georgia Championship Wrestling renamed its weekly program World Championship Wrestling a name the entire promotion would grow to be identified by. Jack Briscoe and Gerald Briscoe had major stakes in the organization while Ole Anderson was head booker and was basically in charge of operations. GCW's program was hosted by NWA announcer Gordon Solly, who also hosted programs for various other NWA-affiliated promotions at the time, such as Championship Wrestling from Florida. World Championship Wrestling was a program featuring the wrestling style of wrestling, that emphasized a more athletic product and put less emphasis on cartoonish gimmicks. By 1984, GCW sold out to the WWF, prompting former GCW exec Alan Ole Anderson Rogowski and Fred Ward to start a new group called Championship Wrestling from Georgia Incorporated. That was good info. I didn't know it was WTBS before, and it was only dedicated to wrestling, I suppose. Well, it's like back then the W in WTBS stood for wrestling, because Ted Turner still had two wrestling promotions on one station, so that was pretty innovative for its time. Very neat. It's good to see the the, the culture of wrestling and how strong it was yep. at least in our neck of the woods anyway that they would actually go out to nope my only station is wrestling that's it and how much faith he had in the product yeah it looks like at least most of their live program i don't think he had any rights to any baseball or basketball back then but i could be dead wrong he knew what true in ratings in the south so Vince's debut, his WTBS debut on World Championship Wrestling, the very first invasion angle. They open up the show and noticeably missing is Gordon Soley, but his lackey, Freddie Miller, did stick around. He is the co-host and ring announcer for Georgia Championship Wrestling, and he starts off by saying on behalf of WTBS, it's a pleasure to welcome the World Wrestling Federation. Exciting new matches and great competition. And then he turns it over to Vince and hightails it out to the end of the episode. He didn't want really too much part of this, but apparently they did pay him enough to get him to stay, unlike Orton Sully. So it was just a pretty much, all right, guys, he's taking over. Here you go. Good luck. Yep, this guy's paying me, so I'm still here, but <laughs> your letters and phone calls to this guy. Which, after six months, we finally have an address. Yes. Stay tuned. 
to the next episode for that address. Definitely. Moving on, we find ourselves with this first match of our favorite special delivery Jones and Nick DiCarlo versus Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch. And I have a little sound bite for that. How many times going off what we know of SD Jones from our TNT knowledge, would you say <laughs> SD Jones and Nick DiCarlo have teamed up? Uh... I would say 30. Yeah, surely. I mean, these guys are getting a World Wrestling Federation tag team title shot. They have got to be together, working hard, doing matches, get their niche, finding right chemistry to go all the way. Because you wouldn't even get a title shot until you were a reputable tag team. Surely you wouldn't be a number one contender. But wait, this is SD Jones, folks. Special Delivery Jones, hailing from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania and his tag team partner, Nick DiCarlo. DiCarlo and Jones teaming up for the very first time. They're going to have their work cut out for them. Yes, that is the SD Jones that I know. Always rotating in and out tag team partners. Because he's not losing because I am. It's the other guy. For this very exciting match, this was the first time tag team. And yep. Probably the first time he's ever seen him. But somehow they got tag team title shots. Kudos to their agents. Good bookies. Yeah, man. That was more than what I thought. Did you notice anything about the introduction? for this match i'll see here as far as the introductions yep. no nothing stuck out a ring announcer had a pronunciation error apparently dick murdoch's new tag team partner is adrian adonis oh does so he sounding the words out now yeah it's no longer adonis it's adonis so i don't know maybe he had some beef with adrian or something who knows or it was the dare yeah maybe she wouldn't say this you won't say it you won't he said it <laughs> 100 bucks some kind of bet maybe first debut that i know of at least for us tony guerrera on commentary i have a theory for this match also you have a theory is that what you're gonna say yeah <laughs> yeah this match so we see good old sd trying for another successful victory in the tag team division yeah which he's well known for as you said he has learned his lesson guess so as the match starts out special delivery seems to be on fire yeah he's going at it yep. and it seems like more of a singles match than really than a tag team match until Nick finally was able to tag himself in to get some action. That is the lesson that SD has learned that you cannot make me lose if I do not tag you. So he was just going to win this himself. Which I usually approve of that method if you know what you're doing. And I had to watch this like five or six times because I to this day still not tell you if he actually tagged Nick DiCarlo or Nick DiCarlo tagged his back to get into this match. I believe that did catch my attention. I did write that in the notes and I'm pretty sure Nick had to reach over to tag him. Even though the announcers tried to say, and there's the tag, and act like SD willingly tagged Nick DiCarlo. I don't think that's the case. We all know what SD's capable of. Nothing. Ask Andre. He was not going to lose this match due to his tag team partner. And he had a strategy going in, just needed a tag team partner to get the match, and it was all him. Nick DiCarlo said, uh-uh, and tagged himself in. He says, you're not messing it up for me. Exactly. I really think they had an ego issue. Yeah, I would love to see him brawl after the match. Maybe they did. They kind of cut away from it before the announcer got in there to announce Adrian 
Adonis as the winner along with Dick Murdoch. So who knows? Maybe they fought it out. And of course, I guess you can predict the end of the match. Yep. I don't know who won. It's just a matter of how fast did he lose. And it wasn't a WrestleMania record, so he's good for now. Do we need, just need to pull a piper and move on? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> as he loses, could spin. One, two, three. <laughs> Moving on, we come to an interview with Mr. Fuji and George the Animal Steel. Yeah, this was very painful to watch at first because it was just Fuji trying to talk about George the Animal Steel. Mean Gene's like, just get him to talk. I just want to hear him talk. And Fuji's like, ah, oh, wait, wait. I got to hype him up. And he made Mean Gene back up so he could start hyping up George. And then he finally got him, George, to say something. And what I gathered is that he said he could mentally connect with George the Animal Steel. So I think mentally, Fuji was asking George the Animal Steel what his favorite kind of apple was. And George the Animal Steel replied with... He likes Fuji apples, folks. Fuji apples. That's what I got from that. So much for Granny Smith. You have been removed. Yes. No longer in the apple family. A Red Delicious, Rayburn, Macintosh, Gala. Nope. Fuji! only one apple that does it for that man and i did have a note watching the interview and how everything was set up was it just me or did it kind of remind you how paul Heyman speaks for brock lesnar yeah it was kind of this is my client type deal except this is my punky that doesn't really talk that much type deal and i kind of felt a strange connection with fuji and the animal i don't know what it was i can't even go there man Okay, we'll move on then. <laughs> there was an interesting side note about all these matches. If you were in a certain area and then you traveled down to Georgia before this, these were all reruns. They were previously seen in syndication. Vince's first debut on WTBS was, Hey folks, here's my reruns. And just started showing them. That was crazy. Enjoy. Yep. <laughs> Watch the original broadcast. Also, during this, they would actually have the promos for upcoming live events. Events. This wasn't on the network, of course, or on demand, but guess where all the live events were being plugged from? Georgia. That would be a wise choice, but no. Hey, people from Georgia, if you come up to New York City, sure to stop in Madison Square Gardens and see this match. So yeah, it was just not very good to be airing stuff like that in Georgia. It's not even the right area. That reminds me of the New York City commercials. Texas beat. Yeah, that could be where it originated from as they saw that. Oh, this is isn't too bad a product, I guess. I'll go watch it live in New York City. Sounds about right. Next is Chris Curtis versus Jesse the Body Ventura. I know you, like me, are probably a huge Chris Curtis fan, so don't really know too much on him. He's the Chris Curtis, and he went up against the body. The governor, Jesse the Body Ventura, had Mean Gene and Gorilla Monsoon on commentary. You're 100% right. I, I got nothing on him. Nothing really needs to be said. It's like when you hear the undertaker yeah. you're like oh it's him exactly nothing else needs to be said we can move on there is a weird start to this match it took almost three minutes from the time it was announced for jesse to finally lock up with chris curtis might as well have just been a distraction match you know it was once again jesse wants to wrestle everyone but his opponent in the ring it seems like he always manages to find somebody in the crowd that he wants to wrestle besides who he's supposed to wrestle it's definitely something that i hope had a payoff for the people that were in attendance because yeah as a 
reviewer. All is what I know is that Scott Studwell was out there. Jesse kept on calling him out. Nothing ever happened. Jesse gets the win somehow over the incredible Chris Curtis. And just as a note, we noticed that Jesse the Body Ventura wears more clothes than the women's matches this week. So he is very decorated and he claims to have the best body of all the superstars. I think Mr. Wonderful would have something to say about that. I would love to see them in the gym together. That's for sure. Be an interesting competition. As the match proceeds through, he continues to yell into the crowd. He's yelling at Scott Studwell from the Minnesota Vikings. That's who he found. Yep. Now a scout for the Minnesota Vikings, to my knowledge. Around with that team despite retiring, and I think he's somewhere in his 60s now. So, so you're saying... Scott become a scout? Yep, for Minnesota Vikings, apparently, after his playing days were over. Interesting. Must have been at the top of his game then, because what I read about him didn't seem like he was a huge success in the NFL. He was good in college, though. I think he was number two for his position, but behind Dick Buckus. Buckus. Yep. All right. And as the match proceeds past that, he pretty much, as you said before, dominates the match against our poor Chris Curtis, and he ends up winning by submission this time instead of the elbow, as we've seen in previous previous episodes showing off his arsenal of moves he's telling that minnesota viking hey gotcha the brand new official world wrestling federation magazine is now on sale read about sergeant slaughter's march into our nation's capital find out how tito santana made a young boy's dream come true read of the beauty and the beast captain Louis albano and rock star cindy lopper world champion hulk hogan visits with johnny carson and brooke shields while the samoans visit with mr t Where's the beef? It's in Montreal. Visit with Andre the Giant, who invites you into his very own restaurant. All this and more in the official World Wrestling Federation magazine, now on sale at your local newsstand. Thank you, Vince, for that. Another cheap plug by the man. Salvatore Palumbo sold separately for recycling. I think we can actually get a deposit if you send your magazine in. I think you get five or ten cents. Salvatore greatly appreciates it and probably writes you a thank you letter or something. Or you can send him two ninety nine, and he will make a boat out of it for you. A shipping handle. <laughs> well, of course. Phil's making airplanes. So he just fly it to you. <laughs> Oh, fun times. It's crazy they promoted that on this broadcast, and unless the network just totally edited them out, they didn't put them in on TNT, which is where their bigger audience is at, and if anyone was more likely to buy the magazine, it would be the people that know who these people are you're talking about, not the people that are just being introduced to them for the first time. Maybe a PR guy was fired after this, I don't know. Maybe while well, they had the bad ratings. Kayfabe, man. <laughs> <to the end. laughs> All right, our Next is an interview with Brian Blair and Alexis Smirnoff. Mr. Smirnoff. It's a weird interview because it's just like, okay, we're up against the deadline. Let's get a heel in the face out here. Okay, face goes first, then the heel. So Brian Blair just says, I'm happy to be in the tag team division now. Okay, next. And they bring in Alice Smirnoff. And Smirnoff has a longer promo. 84, Russia's boycotting the Olympics. Basically, we like him about as much as we do right now. Unless you're a Republican, we won't go there. So Smirnoff sums it up with U.S. can finally get gold since Russia is boycotting the 1984 Olympics. So that's his little heel heat parting shot. Oof, brutal. Yep. How dare him. Next, after the fly-by-night interviews that we had there, we have Ron Hutchinson versus the Iron Sheik. Good old Freddie Blassie. This the first appearance that we have seen of Freddie Blassie in his new Alatola. Headgear. If we had Tony Carrera and Ben 
Vince McMahon on commentary. When the match started out and they were introducing the wrestlers, I wasn't sure which one they booed the hardest. I don't know because Ron Hutchinson was from Canada, boo Canada for some reason. And then you had the Iron Sheik, obviously, from Iran, boo Iran. When I seen that, I wasn't really sure if this was a, just a heel heel or people were just bitter and this wasn't what they were used to seeing. Definitely wasn't what I was used to seeing. I know that match lasted a whopping two minutes, ten seconds. And surprisingly enough, Ron Hutchins did not win. No offense for Mr. Hutchinson. I don't think he got a one move in. No, yeah, he didn't really have a chance. Ends up with uh, Iron Sheet winning. And they start, starts calling out Fat Sergeant. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but yeah, Fat Sergeant. During the match, you can hear the Sergeant chants. Not not USA, not Go Team, not even America. It was slaughter, slaughter, slaughter. Big G.I. Joe fans. Can't say I blame him. I would have went for Cobra. I was more of a Cobra guy. They did have better uniforms. It was all standard looking, and their vehicles were a lot better. Naturally. Of course. Because they're bad guys. Yep, exactly. And bad guys are good. G.I. Joe! Knowledge is power. All right, moving on to our next match. We have Big John Studd versus Bobo Brazil. Interesting fact, Bobo was 60 years old when this match took place. He didn't look it. No, he definitely didn't. Last match was in 1993. Aged really well for a man of his age. He does not look 60. And he actually moved like he was 30. Yeah, he was a lot more flexible and better than the other wrestlers that we see that are still trying to give it one last go every now and then. More power to Bobo Brazil. It does explain some of the moves choices in here though. They had one move where it was a long bear hug, which is not very entertaining for fans. Works great when you're 60 and you're out of breath. But they had the first that I can ever remember seeing, a bear hug reversal. I can't recall seeing one before then. That would be correct. I don't remember ever seeing a reverse, especially from Big John Studd, anybody but he was actually able to come out of it and catch Big John Stud with a headbutt. But he was unable to follow up for a victory. So Big John drops the elbow around the throat area. It is noted by commentators. And Big John Stun gains the victory. It also seemed to be the first match that I recall seeing with the on-screen display of who the voice is. I don't know if that was for the TBS audience so they would know. Or if they're just trying out new things to come for future WWF television. I'm not sure why it wasn't there though for other matches if that was the case. I think that was the sign of the times and kind of getting everybody ready to go as far as the viewers and all that. Also it was just Vince on commentary. Like the last time we saw Vince when it was Muhammad Ali and Gorilla Monsoon it was also just Vince. Maybe this is an unwritten at the time Philadelphia rule. Only one commentator. Could be. It could be. I would subject you to what was actually next in the show which was another promo for the WWF magazine but we won't do that. Yeah, no. Let's not. A little known fact for Bobo before we move forward. He was an American professional wrestler, better known by his ring name of Bobo Brazil, and he was credited with breaking down the barriers of racial segregation in the professional wrestling. And he is considered one of the first successful African-American professional wrestlers. And with NWA record, he is a Florida two-time tag team with Sweet Brown Sugar and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. And he is also in the NWA Hall of Fame. You can see that list. The NWA Hall of Fame? Yeah. We'll see if we can't get that put on our Facebook page. See what we can find. Bosley! And by we, I mean Bosley. Yeah. Did you notice what was missing from the start of this show that they promised us with Vince, and Vince doesn't lie? We all know this. Are you referring to the interview? I 
am. Plus, special interviews on Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and a great deal more. It was very, very special. So special that they cut it out of the network and WWE On Demand 24-7 back in 2007. But if you got to cut out the part where Vince says there's going to be an interview by Paul Orndorff at last, no interview. You know, I was highly disappointed that I didn't get to see Mr. Wonderful. Who else was disappointed? Mr. Wonderful. I did happen to get this unaired response from Paul when he found out that they cut it on WWE 24-7. I look at that. It's terrible. That is the worst piece of work that I've ever seen in my life. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve this. Mr. Wonderful doesn't pay for this kind of stuff like this. What's the matter with this? You think it's funny or something? This is second rate. This is Bush League. And I don't deserve it and I don't stand for it. And many other Georgia Championship wrestling fans thought the same. Yeah, he's very all right now, would be as well. That is, that's exactly how I would have felt. Yeah, I think he stood around waiting to see it and he never got to see it. Sorry, Paul. Nope, no interview, buddy. Well, what can you do, you know? Vince and Freddie comes back. He's like, oh, it's over. Can I still get my paycheck? Oh, I have to come back for a paycheck? Okay, I'll come out with you, Vince. I'm going to close the show by promising a match from Hulk Hogan on next week's show. And apparently, Vince has a man crush on Hulk Hogan. Next week, we'll have on hand no less than the reigning World Wrestling Federation champion, the incredible Hulk Hogan. And never has 300 pounds looked as good as it looks on the six foot, eight inch frame of the incredible Hulk Hogan. Never has it looked so good. <laughs> Hopefully the next episode or the next podcast, maybe we can find something that might look a little better for him. Maybe. Something to feast his eyes on. Maybe. Just saying, be a great idea. Let's see what we can do. And that was the TBS debut of World Championship Wrestling, WWF style. Did go too well. Yeah, I've heard some off and on, off color things. Vince was hoping it would go better. Instead of welcoming their version of wrestling, the stations were flooded with thousands of phone calls letters, complaints from people wanting to know what happened to Georgia Championship Wrestling. One more important thing, Ted Turner was also not happy with the results. And since he owns the station, that's not good. As for ratings, the WWF on TBS continued to go down. Maybe they're at like a 2, and then next week they went to a 1, then a 0, then someone owed them ratings because they were even worse than 0. Yeah, it wasn't a good investment at the time for so Ted made two decisions that he hoped would fix that problem. First, he made an offer to Bill Watts, Cowboy Bill Watts, or all those following through the territories. And he ran a promotion called Mid-South Wrestling, and it was mostly based out of Oklahoma. So Ted Turner's like, hey, why don't you take this Sunday afternoon time slot on TBS? And Bill Watts is like, cool, I'll take that. So they enter negotiations, and then he brings a new familiar face back, since they can no longer be called Georgia Championship Wrestling because Vince owns that. Willie Anderson decides to team up with another guy and call themselves Championship Wrestling from Georgia. And it's now an NWA 
NWA affiliate after he's been ousted by McMahon, in which the NWA was regarded as the successor to GCW to the station on Sunday mornings. They bring back Gordon Sully as the announcer. Familiar people and announcer, and the sequels Vince McMahon not being happy with either of Turner's decisions, thinking that Vince had control of Georgia Championship Wrestling would make the WWF the exclusive wrestling company on TBS. But this was not the case. Big South Wrestling and Championship Wrestling from Georgia both did better in the ratings than WWF. That made WWF look even worse because two, one really newer show comes on and still does better than Vince. You won't count the other one. It's, you know what it is. It just couldn't be called the same name. And Ted requested that Vince started going live from their studios. No more pre-taped arena reruns that they showed like in the first episode. Vince says, yeah, sure. But he didn't come through on his part and got into legal trouble with Ted because of that. Vince realized, hey, this isn't working out too great. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. He turns to Jim Barnett. Barnett's like trying to think of a modern day Jim Barnett. We'll say the Jimmy Carter. Did you go in Georgia for you folks? The Jimmy Carter of wrestling. He's always in their peace negotiations. All the promoters seem to love Jim Barnett. So he goes to Jim Barnett for help and who in turn Jim Barnett goes to Jim Crockett. And Vince is told by Jim Crockett that he was friendly with Ted and he wanted to have a time slot on TBS like Vince did. So he bought out Vince for one million dollars. Vince only paid 500000 Of course he did. Yeah, so that was a double deal. And with that money, we get WrestleMania. On that note, I don't think I would trust Vince McMahon to pay me anything since he pretty much told the government to stick it when he was back on taxes. We all know who ends up winning the wrestling wars. Vince just kind of did a little strategizing. Might have took another 17 years later, Vince would laugh all the way to the bank as he got rid of his competition. Thanks to AOL. Yeah. And still laughs to this very day. Turner gives time slots to Bill Watts and Ole Anderson and directly led to other wrestling organizations, though. So Ted Turner, kind of a pioneer here. He gave national cable television contracts to Vern Gagne, and his AWA debuted on ESPN in 1985. He on that network until the company folded. Not sure how much that helped. 1991. Fritz Von Erich's world-class championship wrestling joined ESPN in 1986 and its Dallas-based successor, the United States Wrestling Association, USWA, and the Global Wrestling Federation later occupied time slots on that network as well. ESPN, back in the 80s, was a great place to watch a lot of wrestling. I wonder if we could go back to ESPN Classics and see any of those matches. I saw AWA back in ESPN Classics in 2008, maybe 76, somewhere around there. I'm not sure if they're still showing any or not. I don't know what led them to dig that up and start showing it again, but they did for a while. Later came Herb Adams, UWF, and he had a weekly program that aired on Sports Channel of America. By 1994, none of these companies remained in business with the exception of the Memphis-based branch of USWA, which, as mentioned last week by us in Territory Talk, folded in 1997. Sounds like Vince did fire the first shots on national television, and yeah, the other one's like, yeah, it's a good idea. I think there's just too much sort of oversaturation of wrestling 
on the same type of channels or on the same channels. That I wonder if they were just doing whatever they could to keep up. Yeah, 1985, people weren't ready for that much wrestling. Nope, you're exactly right. And he had the momentum. I think that's what really killed it. Yep, he already had some national shows on USA. And he really had pick of the litter to talent. He could just cherry pick what he wanted, what he didn't want. Yep, I can think Hogan and former AWA stars were showing off. Uh, oh, they went from AWA to WWF. Now look at them. And everybody's seeing how big WWF was. They just, they run and jump at the opportunity. I think I'll do that. It was a good strategy. This is just kind of a little bump in the road. Mm-hmm. And most people, I wouldn't say most, a lot of people don't even realize that Vince was ever on WTBF. Did a pretty good job of burying it in that closet where he likes to keep stuff that he doesn't like to talk about. That's genius. He is the genius now. So comparing TNT, Tuesday Night Titans, to WCW, what uh, what did you notice? A lot. We had no word Alfred Hayes. Freddie Miller was not an L-A-H at all. Good sidekick. He just abandoned him right there in the first few minutes. The interviews were rushed. They booked two guys back-to-back. They were all build up right now of characters or personas. Not the kind of thing you want to see on your first episode of people that don't know anything about you. Think 205. Five live basically build up. I think that's one of the things that hurts them. No one's going to stay up that late to watch that. And when you do have spots on TV, you're not really building up any characters whatsoever. No investment. I have to agree. Even when the cruiserweight matches happen, I'd play a guessing game between who's going to win and who's going to lose and just fast forward just to see who's going to win or lose. Unfortunately, in 1984, not enough people in VCRs to have that luxury just fast forwarding to see. You know, that guy's good, I guess. No, no. Okay, it's good. WCW had the best cruiserweights, period. For the comparison, yeah, they're, like you say, pretty much nothing else needs to be said. You said it all. Exactly the same way I feel about it. Did notice the footage seemed to be lighter, at least on the Tony Guerra and Vince McMahon called matches. The arena looked like it was pretty bright. So they were done with the dark shows, as they call them? Yeah, I think that was more just the venue than the actual production, because it was only just with those matches. Iron Sheik match and the match with T tag match. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I meant to go back and look because the next episode had a Philadelphia match, I believe, in it. And they had the actual name of the forum on the ring mat. I wanted to see if that existed here, too. Maybe Philadelphia was the, an innovator for putting something on the ring mat instead of just a normal, whatever colored ring mat. At last, I forgot to go back and do that. Yeah, I'll do that for our Facebook page and see if we can figure that out. Definitely. I do know for the Gorilla Monsoon Muhammad Ali, there was no spectrum written on the mat, so at least in the 70s I didn't have it, but maybe they did in the 80s. Yeah. To be continued. TBS, I think there was more money there. I think that helped with everything. It should have been four times richer than Vince at this time, at least. I'm pretty sure that's what he was banking on anyway, using Ted's money to boost his product. Yeah, it worked out for him in the end, but he probably could have had a better run if he would have stuck to what he signed on live matches. And Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> Maybe even try to get in some of former talent from Georgia Championship Wrestling just to try to make the transition a little bit easier. You know, it was just more of how can I spread my product as thin as possible, but still keep it stable and profitable. If you want to be more innovative, make it like a NWO type invasion thing. But I think that was way too ahead for 1984 wrestling. They weren't even thinking along those 
lines, but something like that would have probably done it good. China will rerun matches and advertise the magazine twice. And then tell everybody to come to New York because, yep. you know, everybody's in New York. If you want to see a match live, come to New York because you're not going to see one here. Well, that was the special edition of our tag team podcast, the WWF Black Saturday, July 14th, 1984. Listening for the first time, I don't know how you found this and not listen to the other episodes. We don't usually cover just one event, but this kind of fit the timeline that we're going on with Tuesday Night Titans. So thank you for listening and go check out our other episodes. Could we promote maybe the next special edition? Which will be the WWF MTV co-joined promotion of the Brawl to End It All. That was on July 23rd, 1984. But in the meantime, we have another episode of Tuesday Night Titans to bridge the gap in between those. It's going to have Rowdy Piper, Greg Valentine, Wendy Richter, and others. So make sure you download and subscribe for this and the upcoming special. And thank you for listening. Check out our webpage. Leave your comments. Love to hear back from you and what you thought of our first special edition and any of our episodes that we've aired so far. What do you want? You keep touching my leg! With that, we're signing off. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family of your friends, tell your friends' family. Download the Tag Team Podcast. Follow us on social media. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the tag team podcast on twitter at tag team podcast on google plus the tag team podcast email us at the tag team podcast at gmail.com leave us a voicemail on the tagline 6016544 tag that's 6016544824 You can also listen on SoundCloud by searching the Tag Team Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Tag Team Podcast. Join Jeff and John next week as they continue to break down WWF Tuesday Night Titans. And you can tell them too because regardless where you are, which one city, Smirnov's gonna be there one day and I'll step your brain out with my big Kuzak. Kuzak? Yes, with my big Kuzak. Hmm. What that is, I couldn't tell you, but I've got a pretty good idea.